Welcome to Real Life Podcast Conversations from Life Foursquare. We invite you to dive deeper into the more difficult topics of faith. Have you struggled to find understanding in biblical topics not often taught about in the pulpit? We may not have all the answers, but we are committed to the ongoing conversations as we search God's Word together. We are Mark and Lynn Cooper, local pastors, and this show is our attempt to answer questions in greater depth than a sermon allows. We look forward to the dialogue and conversations your questions will bring. You can email us at reallife at visitlife.org. This podcast will cover many biblical topics, some fun, some serious, and some will simply pique your interest. This podcast is sponsored by Life Foursquare Church, and it's pushed by Austin Hemmen and Lauren Johnston. So today we are in week four of our end times conversation that we've been having. We've had a good time. We've heard a lot of good feedback and even some questions. And today we're going to start the conversation with apocalyptic. 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 <laughs> that word gets stuck in your it's head. One, it's a hard one, man, because it, especially when you try to say it different than apocalypse. When you try yes. to say it different than apocalypse, it doesn't sound right or feel right. Right. So apocalyptic literature, better yet, apocalyptic books of the Bible, we want to, to start there. So really, we, we have talked a little bit about prophetic literature, right? Prophetic scripture. We listed the prophetic books of the Bible. Understand that prophetic books were written in a specific kind of way and had a specific context. Now, when we talk about apocalyptic scripture, we're talking about something a little different. And so we can identify some of those for you. Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Ezra, Ezra, Revelation. These are apocalyptic Yes. Books, right? And so we want to set ourselves up to read them properly and better yet have a really good context of how to read scripture. And at this point, I'd like to refer if anybody has ever listened to the Bible Project, they have a whole series about apocalyptic literature that's fantastic. And we would, you know, you would greatly benefit from going there and taking a listen. Uh, One of the first things we have to understand in defining and reading this scripture is to define apocalypse. We, as a culture, if you were to look up in the dictionary, what does apocalypse mean? You're going to see imminent danger and destruction, complete destruction and devastation. So when we hear the word apocalypse or apocalyptic, we automatically think destruction. We think nuclear, yeah. We think total devastation, end of everything. Apocalypse is the end, right? So the Mayan calendar stuff and and asteroid hitting the world or, you know, nuclear holocaust. These kind of things are all apocalyptic in our culture, in our sense, in in the way we think. And what it means is it's just over it's over yeah end End of everything of the world that is the basic interpretation of the word and it is in our culture however the word apocalypse in scripture means something very different the the definition of that word is to reveal so 
God is revealing to us. And so if we could, while we begin this conversation, let's, let's remove the lens of destruction and end of world devastation. And let's put on the lens of, Lord, reveal to me. Give us your revelation of what you're wanting us to see in this uh, um, literature so, and these books. That's good, Lynn. So the the best picture, you know, the best way of picturing what this word apocalypse means for me, and and maybe that's just me, but you know, in in ancient Israel. And in much of the ancient world, they didn't use books the way we use books, where our books have a front and a back, a cover, uh, a spine, and then you turn page by page by page. In In the ancient world, they used scrolls, and oftentimes those scrolls were double roll scrolls. And so as you would read, you would unroll part of the scroll and roll up the other part of it, right? And so this picture of apocalypse is the unrolling of the whole scroll the 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 showing of it right it's now clear and plain to see it's been revealed and so it's been apocalypsed it's open and revealed and when we talk about the apocalyptic literature apocalyptic scripture we're talking about what Lingis really hit home which is a a revealing of God's plan, a revealing of God's nature and character, and a revealing of of who he is and what he has worked to accomplish throughout human history and through his son, Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're shooting for. That's what we're aiming for. That's that's the the baseline for how we read these scriptures, right? So we want to now begin the conversation that we we alluded to last week. We decided that we would begin to talk about the tribulation and the rapture, but we have a lot to cover and and really give some foundation before we jump in. And so I want to start with defining um, the word rapture and tribulation, but Prior to defining rapture, we need to go ahead and and recognize that the word rapture is not in the Bible. Now, for some people, that is shocking, and it it comes around in cycles. You know how fashion has its cycle? Well, the fact that rapture, the word, is not in the Bible has a cycle, and it will, will kind of trip people out here and there. But uh, it's never been in the Bible. It's never been discussed as though it's in the Bible. Um, however, it seems to trip people up. The The word rapture is a word that we have given phrases in the Bible that you read about, like caught up yeah. or in the blink of an eye. These are phrases referring to a quickness of Christ coming that we have given the term rapture too. Though if you were to look in the Bible for the literal word rapture, you will not find it. Um, but that is common understanding when reading about um, end times. Yeah, when you look in 
the New Testament, when you look in the Bible, the word you will find is harpezo, which is the Greek word used there for rapture. It means to seize upon with force or to snatch up. It's literally where we get our word harpoon. So think about, you know, like whalers back in the 18th century, 19th century, and they're harpooning uh, whales. They throw the spear into it and they pull it in. And um, and so that 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 is the word harpezo, which is which is that Greek word for rapture that we get rapture from. Now, the Latin word where we get the word rapture is really from the Latin word rapier, uh, and it's the root of the English term rapture. It's it's similar to caught up. It's similar to in the air, um, in the clouds. You see it throughout uh, early translations of the Bible in many different ways, referring to sky, clouds, um, the you know those kind of things. And so it's not as clear. It, it's not the best way of defining what is actually being spoken about there. Correct. To seize upon with force is what Jesus was saying. So let's now use some of what we talked about last week um, or previous weeks in regards to essential doctrine. The tribulation, the rapture, these are not essential doctrines. They're not what should define... Um, really where you go to church, your your denomination. They are not essential doctrine when it comes to faith. They are theologies that are discussed quite often. The essential doctrine of what we're talking about in end times is simply this. Do you believe Christ is coming back? That's the essential doctrine that we're discussing. But when it comes to rapture, tribulation, which let's go ahead and define tribulation, when it comes to that, those are theological differences that we're going to find. And and you will see that Mark and I don't agree on how we view the tribulation when we believe Christ will come. So so we'll talk about that. But let's first define tribulation. And, and let's use, Mark, tell us, how does Jesus define the, the tribulation? I love that question. Okay, so when we read through Scripture— it, you know, we we need to go back to what is actually said, the literal meaning or the literal interpretation of what is actually said. And so when we seek to define tribulation, what the best definition of that is, what did you, how did Jesus define it? What did he say it was? And what he says is that it is the beginning of birth pain. It, and so I've never had a baby, but I've watched my wife have babies, and I'm aware— she says I'm useless in the delivery room, and I would probably agree with her. I wasn't very much help. Afterwards, I really, I really did a good job. I but... have to say yes. After after the baby was born, you were fantastic, and you've been a very fantastic hands-on father. Uh, but in the midst of the pain of it, not so much. I didn't know what to do. What do I do? And so anyway, my point is that is a process which builds. So Jesus is defining for us rapture. It's a building process. It's a, it's a process of time, which builds in intensity, and it produces, it ends, or it completes w- with the birth of something, with a new life or a new something, right? And so this is what tribulation is. Right. So it's important for us to have these definitions, because the reality is it's very difficult to talk about rapture or tribulation 
separately. Really, they are talked about together. And so we wanted to give some concrete definitions. Now, we also need to recognize that when talking about the rapture and the second coming of Christ, that speaks of two events, two separate events. So the rapture and the second coming of Christ, as you hear those discussed, they are not the same event. They are two separate events. So I like to define them or speak with an understanding. Now, this is a theological statement, but the rapture is Jesus coming for his bride, which the bride of Christ is the church. The second coming is Christ coming with his bride. Christ is coming with his bride, and that is happening at the end of this birth pain place because it is the beginning then of a new era, if you will. Revelation 19, you see this event. It is the setting up of God's kingdom on earth. Um, The millennial reign. Okay, so that's moving forward a little bit. When we talk about tribulation and when we talk about rapture, it's important to note that we don't see rapture in the Old Testament. We do see tribulation. Yes. In the Old Testament apocalyptic scriptures, we see we see tribulation, the time of Jacob's struggle, struggles. We see tribulation there. We see it also in the New Testament. But we have—this is why Paul refers to the rapture and, and to the church as a mystery. It's a mystery because it's being freshly revealed by Jesus in those New Testament times for the first time. It's not found in the Old Testament. It's found in the New Testament, and Jesus reveals it, and then Paul and Peter and many others expand it, or they expound on it. Correct. Right? Okay. So now is a, a perfect place to talk about what you hear often if you are are a part of the church world or have been a part of the church world for any amount of time. You hear these phrases, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. So I, I want to separate them into two categories, if you will. Um, and let's put pre and mid-trib together only because of this. Post-trib, we're going to put put in a different category because post-trib believe that the rapture and the second coming of Christ, though two separate events, are happening at the same time. So hear that. Post-trib are are believing that both of those events are separate. However, they are happening at the same time. So or 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 back to back, if you will, is Simul- probably the simultaneously, better. Simultaneously, yeah. Mm-hmm. It it becomes a little clumsy and it, beca- it it's a little difficult to understand um how it all works with with post trib with a post trib uh, uh interpretation of of the tribulation and of the rapture because Christ is coming back for, and then he's coming back with, and the dead are raising, and all of this is happening at the same time because it's one singular event, right? and it's just, it's just a difficult—but that is the difference between those three. You have pre and mid, which would agree— That there are two separate events, but there is time between the events, and, and the difference between pre-trib and mid-trib are the amounts of time— 
in between those two separate yeah, events. Yeah, they just they the, just the rapture and the second coming. So so here's where we lie um, in, in difference of opinion. But but let's continue with the the post trip here. In those events, I'm left with this question. So if if both of those events happen at the same time. Tell me what is the beginning sign then of the tribulation if it is not the rapture. So this answers the question for mid-trib and post-trib. Um, what is that defining moment? What starts that clock? Because we we do see a, a timeline when it comes to the tribulation in the scripture. So what begins that clock when it comes to the tribulation? Um, and you're probably hearing already that I am pre-trib, Mark is mid-trib, and so we see these events a little bit differently. But I want to start from the end of post-trib so that we have a clear view, because if you're pre-trib, you kind of tend to not pay attention because, hey, he's just going to come before all this happens anyway. And so I want to kind of work backwards as we're talking about this conversation. Okay, so you... Whenever you look at either of those three, pre, mid, or post, um, it, it again, again, the, it, it becomes challenging to say what is the beginning of the tribulation. Um, I, I think we all could agree. Uh, most theologians, um, not that I am one, I am not, but most theologians who have studied. Um, the end times are going to agree that that Second Thessalonians two tells us the beginning. Okay, and so how do we mark the beginning? The way we mark it is found in this scripture. It starts in verse one of chapter two. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. And so you have two events here. Which is first? The, the, the falling away comes first and then, the, and then, right, the man of sin is revealed. The man of sin is the Antichrist. And so when we talk about... Post-trib, post-trib believes that they will, the church, will walk through the entire tribulation, seven-year tribulation. This is the 70th week of Daniel. This is uh, two, three-and-a-half-year periods. The The first three-and-a-half-year period, the, the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, makes a treaty with the world, makes a treaty with Israel, and everything is good, ensures peace in the world, and then betrays that treaty at that three-and-a-half-year period, and for the next three-and-a-half years, persecutes the people of God. Post-trib thinks, believes, that the church encounters and lives through all of that, and that the rapture happens in that last moment before the final battle when Jesus comes. So as Jesus is coming, as he's coming, he raptures us up with him, and we go with him. That's post-trib. It, like I said before, it becomes a little clumsy as far as figuring out how all of that works, right? Because there's no time in between the two. 
and and it seems in 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 studying revelation it seems as if there does need to be a little time in between those two events right okay? we might need time however god well the bride is prepared right. right and so when we look in revelation what we see is a prepared bride with robes of white that are coming back with and so god is not bound by time all right. that can happen but it seems what is being literally communicated and when possible you know, when we read Scripture and we get a sense of Scripture that makes – it just makes common sense, that common sense is the sense we need to run with. We don't need to look for any further understanding. Let's just read it as it most easily makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so there seems to be a time in between the two. Now, the w- the question Lynn asked is – Hey, that is really good logic to apply to grocery lists. My basic life, to whether or not put masks, yeah. masks Remember in the dryer. Remember that the next time. That'd be great. Uh, listen, so, I know, but it, it's not as clear cut because there's so many things that, like, how do I know? I just couldn't let it go. Go in the dryer or not? I but we can. Are move you on. picking up on something there that happened last week? I put I put masks in the dryer and they shrink if you put them in the dryer. So my bad. Okay, so the beginning, I I believe the beginning is marked away is marked by a falling away. Now, who's he talking about falling away? He's not talking about the world falling no, away. No, he's talking about the church falling away. And yeah. there's two two stories that we can connect here that that aren't often connected when we think about the church and really who is left. And we let's be real, we we don't like to think or or talk about even the fact that half of the church will fall away. And what does it mean to fall away? Okay, so one of the one of the primary stories that Lynn's referring to is is the parable Jesus tells about the ten virgins, the mm-hmm. the five, the wise and unwise virgins. Right? You have ten virgins who are waiting on their bridegroom, and um, five of them have they all have oil lamps. Five have prepared well and have extra oil. Five run out of oil. Mm-hmm. And they try to borrow it from the wise virgins, and the wise virgins say, "No, nah, we don't have enough to loan you. Go buy some." They go to buy some, and Jesus, their comes. bride, comes right. while they're gone, and they go into the 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 wedding hall, if you will, the the dinner, the feast, the wedding. And uh, when these unwise virgins return and knock on the door, Jesus says, "I don't know who you are," mm-hmm. and so they're they're gone. They're they're lost. Right? They've fallen away. This this is a, a clear warning to the church, but it carries with it some really sobering statistics. The statistics are that that you have ten and half half of them aren't allowed into the aren't wedding feast. Prepared. That's right? significant. That that sobering is a, a good word for that. It is not how we like to think of Christ's return. And and yet we have to recognize we we even see Jesus, you know, say, "You will call me Lord, Lord." And I will who are you? And that that is something that we have to pursue in our relationship with the Lord. Our 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 disciplines in in Christ our christian disciplines are they out of responsibility and duty 
or relationship? Are they in pursuit of a relationship with Jesus Christ and and God our Father? Um, and, And those are significant differences of how we operate in in our walk with the Lord. This is, you know, this is how we begin to mark um, time. Jesus says to his disciples, you, you are able to tell the time. You can look at the fig tree and tell the season you're in. You can look around at your natural world and you can tell what's going on, right? And throughout the New Testament, we 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 see repeated this instruction of look and be ready and wait and be prepared, right? Look up and and so we have this imminent expectation, this 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 waiting for this look, watch, wait for his coming. And uh and we have to be we have to be ready for that. We have to be prepared for that. We have to be looking and being able to tell. Can we see any of those signs in our world today? Y- yeah. Yeah, you do see them. I see them. Um, and the signs that I see are uh, the, the, the most convincing signs I see are less about the strife in politics, the strife in, in racial divide, the, the racial issues in our country, in our world, the, the poverty, the, the wickedness, those things I see. And they've always been there, war, famine, hurricanes, stuff like that's always been there. But what's not always been there is this this hardness and coldness of heart, this falling away. I'm not speaking judgment upon any person. I'm simply saying we have to be, right? All those ten virgins were brides. They were committed to marrying Christ, but half of them were ill-prepared. Mm-hmm. For, for what coming. was to come. And so that's where we have to, if you were to take that and put it into context today, what would that look like? Right? I mean, we're talking about people that have not just accepted Christ as their Savior, but as their Lord. They they were committed to a church. They volunteered. They had given parts of their life, but there was something that wasn't quite ready or prepared for his return. And it wasn't even that they didn't have the hope of a return. Right. No, they, or they were knowledge of a return. <laughs> what was the unpreparedness? They were prepared. You see this warning over and over and over again. Now, I know you're driving towards something and I want to, but th- this warning, Jesus says, you know, don't, and before you build a tower, count the cost. Mm-hmm. That way you don't build it halfway, run out of money and, and be called a fool. Any man who puts his hand to the plow and turns away is not fit to follow me. He says, look, it's not – you got to know what it is you're agreeing to. Think about it before you do it. Prepare for it. it it's, there's, no, there's no coasting through it. You've got to – if you're going to do it, do it and be ready for everything that comes with it, right? And so the first story was I, I, the brides. What's the second story that you were – or never mind. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I was going to connect it to the story of the the rich young ruler, um, which we even have differing opinions on on how we view that. But what we see is this rich young ruler that has kept all the commands, had given his life to the Christian discipline, right, or or the Jewish the discipline, Jewish yeah. discipline at that time, and following commands and doing them right. 
And yet in this encounter with Christ, he was unprepared to continue following the Lord. And I think that is a lot of what the American church will struggle with is, is are you willing to give all, everything to Jesus in order to follow him? Because everything means everything. There is no part of my life that the Lord does not have access or ownership to. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. And that's a great example of this falling away. The, you remember, remember that Jesus said, any man who, in, in, in contrast to the way he loves me, does not hate hu- husband or wife, uh, daughter or son, mother or father, or even the things they possess, house, right, and, and property, then they're not, they're not followers of mine. They're not fit to follow me. They gotta, you got you to gotta forego everything else in this world. The accusation against the rich young ruler was that he was rich and he loved his money. It was hard to give it all away. He could do everything except give away everything he had because he was wealthy. And so he had a love for his lifestyle. He had a love for his, his life. He had a, a love for his wealth. Um, and so uh, th- that, that is sobering to us. It brings us to a place where we have to recognize there's only room to love one thing. And, and to, uh, nothing can eclipse that or overcome that. Now, when we are talking about the, the rapture, Lynn outlined for us three perspectives on this event, two of which are similar in that they believe, they, they agree with, or they put forth this idea that there's a time, a gap of time between the rapture and the second coming of Christ, okay? The post-tribulation, uh, uh, the, the, the post-trib believes this, that those two events— the rapture and the second coming of Christ are simultaneous with no time gap. There's no time in between the two. They happen at the same time. The, in the New Testament, the rapture is, is translated or, or, or characterized as, as um, resurrection, honestly. What it, what it means is, is that those who are dead— and those who are living are resurrected, transformed. Paul, remember Paul speaking about it, and what he says is, listen, the, the, the corrupted has to take on incorruption. The mortal has to take on immortality. This transition takes place, and, and we see that clearly. Now, also in the New Testament, you can see that in 1 Corinthians 15. You can see it in 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, you can see it in John 14, 3. And now, on the other hand— what we see here is that also the second coming or the second advent of Christ is also dis- shown to us in the New Testament. We can see that in, in Matthew 24. We can see it in Revelation 19, and we see it in the Old Testament in Zechariah 14. But they, they seem to be pretty, pretty clearly communicated through Scripture as s- separate events. With, with some time in between. Pre-tribulation would say it's probably that seven-year period, the whole tribulation. Mid-trib would say that it's maybe that 
three and a half, right? Mm -hmm. That first three and a half of good times or of peace on earth. Remember the Antichrist at halfway puts himself above everything that's called God and then and then seats himself in the presence of God at the temple. Correct. And it's at that place that that rapture would take place if you're mid-trib. Yes. Post-trib says we go through the wash, and before we go into the dryer, that's Jesus right. comes back and— and that's where you lie. You, you're, and let me. I'm mid. Yeah, I, I lie in mid trip. Let me communicate that at different points in our walk with the Lord and in our journey with Christ, we've had different views. I've been mid trip at, at some points, and you've been post trip at, at some points. And so know that there's room here. That That is the whole beauty of this theological journey. It is not written as doctrine. We won't know until it happens. So all we can do is gather and and determine what, what we believe. And so uh, I believe in pre-trib. I believe that the beginning of the rapture or the, the tribulation will begin with the rapture. And I believe that Christ will rapture his church less for the church itself. I believe that it will be more for the the revelation it will bring to his chosen people, Jews. And so that's why I'm pre-trib. Um, and so all of this to to conclude as as our time is up, to say that these are important things to study. They're fun, they're they're exciting. But the key point is this Christ is our soon coming king. He will return. He is coming for his bride. No matter when that is in regards to the tribulation, he is coming back. And we do have a mission until he gets back. Yes, you're absolutely right. That that great commission is that communication. Uh, it is our purpose here. And, and we are actively, you know, Jesus said, be salt, be light. And, and we, the church is like a, a preservative. It's like a boundary line. It's like a, 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 a formidable wall that holds back wickedness. It holds back evil. It pushes back against the gates of hell. Um, and it, it does restrain that evil and wickedness. And so when we see in Scripture these writings about apocalypse, about the end time, we have to remember that these things are given to us for encouragement, right? They're given to us to remind us of who we are and the fact that Jesus ha- is never going to leave us. He's never forsaken us. He's, he's, he's always faithful. And so he's preparing us for what's coming, and right. that's a form of encouragement. So let's remember in that parable of the ten virgins, they weren't prepared. That was the issue of, of what caused them to miss that bridal feast. It was a lack of preparedness. So Lord, though I might believe in pre-trip or mid-trip, may we always be and walk in a life with you that we are prepared for your coming no matter when it is, because we are walking in relationship with you. And so with that, I want to say thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear your thoughts about today's topic. You can send an email at reallife at visitlife.org to give us your feedback. 
Real Life is a weekly podcast ministry of Life Force Square Church in Decatur, Illinois. And we hope that you have a great week and we look forward to continuing our conversation next time.